because I know he takes his time. <laughs> I have no pressure. Genesis chapter 2. We're going to read one verse of scripture in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And it just blows my mind how God sets up his plan. I didn't talk to Jan or tell her what song to play for those young ladies who dance. And I didn't even ask Mel to ask God to breathe upon us today. But it just blows my mind how he sets up his own plan. So let's read this passage of scripture. It says, and the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now. We thank you, God, for allowing us to come together. We pray, God, that as we study your scriptures, that you will illuminate our minds, that we will get understanding from your scriptures, and that you will lead and guide us through your spiritual truths, that we may apply to our lives, that we may go outside of these four walls and represent you to a dark world. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 For a subject today, we're just going to talk about breathe. 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 That's the subject for the day. I, as when Pastor called me and asked me to come speak to you guys, I was praying and I was praying and I was praying, God, what do I go say? What do you want me to say? And really, I guess I kind of got some anxiety and God said, Breathe. And I said, I got you. Breathe. You see, a breath is the beginning and ending of life. When born, a crying baby indicates that he's breathing when he yells out in the cry. The doctor doesn't even know if the baby is breathing unless the baby cries. While on the other hand, when a loved one is near death, we watch for the last breath. I just remember a couple of months ago when my mom called me and told me that my grandmother was close. They said that she was very close to going home to be with the Lord. And we sat there hours loving upon her, but we watched and watched her breathing to see when she will take her last breath. Breathing is essential to life. There is no life without breathing. Breathing is essential to running. The better you can breathe, the longer you can run. Often runners get fatigued along the journey. Body aches begin to happen. You're supposed to run 10 miles. You get to the five-mile point, and you want to quit. 
your mind begins to tell you that you can't make it. But there is something called a second wind. Just when you think you can't make it, here comes your second wind. What makes this ministry so awesome? What makes this ministry so great? What makes this ministry so different from many other ministries is you're still breathing. You are still breathing. Not every ministry sees the vision of God and keeps running. Not all believers continue to run when the vision is set before them. When we left here just a couple of months ago, we knew we were leaving a ministry that was still alive. We knew that we were leaving folks who invigorated us with their breath. I'll never forget one of the last times I went in the count with Deacon Charles and he said, Bill, what, what are we going to do when you're gone? I said, you're going to keep going. And it's amazing how God works. Five folks left and he brought five folks in. A preacher left, he brings a preacher in. It's amazing how God's plan works. But the other thing that makes this ministry so, so important is you keep running. Yeah, you got to the five-mile mark. And you did reach the 10-mile mark, but you are still running. Many ministries, that's where they miss it. They have a set goal in their own mind, and when they reach the 15-mile mark, that's it. They stop. But one thing I've learned over year after year after year, after year, under this guy, he never stops running. So if you're going to be in this ministry, if you're going to be a part of this ministry, if you're going to, as they say, run with the big dogs, <laughs> you better know how to breathe. He doesn't give you a break because God doesn't give him a break. As God shows him new vision, he's running toward it. Yeah. I mean, there were some that probably thought that once we built this building back in 2003, that was it. No. Y'all get y'all money ready. He just showed me the pictures. He just showed me the vision. Breathe. 
breathe. You see, young adult ministry has to keep running. Real for Christ, you think you having meetings after meetings now, but you still, he's going to give you something else. Keep running. Golden vessels, those who are 55 and up, you think you've reached your age where you can sit down, but he's going to meet with you and he's going to tell you, keep running. Sound ministry, you think you got enough equipment back there to look and keep after and, and keep maintenance and make sure it's working right and the mics are working right. But he's going to tell you to keep running. Media ministry, you think you got the sound, you think you got your, your cameras working right, you got everybody in place and you, 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 you're showing all these nice fancy things. But he comes up with something else that God gives him and he tells you keep running. And we can go for ministry after ministry after ministry in this place. And you never find a chance to sit down. Because he says, keep running. I never forget, this was one night, I want to say sometime last summer, and Alia called Mel. And I kind of could, you know, when they're on the phone, they kind of loud. Even if she had the phone to her ear, I don't know if it, I can't remember if, if she had the phone to her ear or if she had her actually on speakerphone. And Alia said, but Mel, I just don't understand. And, and Mel was like, what, what do you mean? And she says, Meeting after meeting after meeting. When are we going to stop having meetings? <laughs> what she didn't know when she joined EBC was that she was going to see people in here more than she saw her pet dog at home. You got to keep running. And if you're going to run, you better breathe. Go with me to Psalms chapter 33. Psalms chapter 33. The scripture says, and I'll read real quickly. I'm going to start at verse 1, but I want to get down to verse 6. It says, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with the harp. Sing unto him with the psaltery and instruments of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. Verse 4, for the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, watch this, were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. Every living being on this earth breathes. 
All living animals breathe. Trees breathe. Watch this. Thunderstorms breathe. Even planet Earth itself breathes. No living creature, no living body has any value without breath. No living creature, no body, living body has value without breath. Go back to Genesis chapter 2 real quickly. Notice what God said, what Moses records, what God did with Adam in chapter 2, verse 7. Notice what it says here. It says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Man is made up of dust. Now, dirt really has no value unless you're trying to build a house and you need some dirt. But dirt really has no value. The, the, the word for dirt in the Hebrew, or dust in the Hebrew is afar. And it means dirt, clay, or rubbish. And rubbish is something that is worthless, Unwanted or unwanted material. It's just strictly garbage. So, God says, at least Moses says, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Something that's worthless. But watch this. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. It says, and man became a living soul. That word soul is the word nephesh in the Hebrew. And it means a creature that can breathe now on its own. A soul is a creature that can now breathe upon its own. Watch this. Man is the only creation that God personally put his own breath in. Of all the things that God created, man is the only creation that he took of himself and breathed into. God is saying to EBC, 
St. Mary, and any other church represented in here today. You're valuable because I have breathed in to you. Now that I have put the breath in you, remember, a soul is now one who can breathe upon its own. And God says, I put the breath in you. Now continue to breathe. Continue to breathe. Watch this. Go with me to Psalms 150. Why should we breathe? Why should EBC continue to breathe? Psalms 150, verse 1. I got, I got to remember that, guys. I got to give you the verse, then y'all give me the scripture. <laughs> Notice what it says here. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Verse 2. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbre and dance. Praise him with string instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Now, last verse. Let everything that had breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Just about everything that I just read, we've already done in this service. They dance. They played timbrels, cymbals. So why must you breathe? Because you're not a dead church. This is not a dead church. And I know sometimes you're going to get tired in ministry. I know sometimes you're going to get wearied in ministry. But guess what? Breathe. If you're going to continue to live, you got to breathe. And God is saying, for some people, he's already shown me, you might have gotten a little bit weary in ministry. When is it going to stop? It ain't stopping. <laughs> Not until Jesus comes back. So, EBC, St. Mary, any other church that's in here. I don't see Pastor Anderson. I was hoping I would see him this morning. Greater New Zion, if some of you in here, we must keep breathing. Because we are not dead. Watch this. I was telling Pastor, Clint called me Friday. Clint's preaching at St. Mary this morning. Y'all pray for him. Pray for me too. <laughs> now, he does a great job. He does a great job. But, um, 
so he called me Friday. And this pastor friend of his, who actually I'm supposed to preach at, at the church that this pastor pastor at Friday, and he, he said, Bill, pray. He said, Sister Dorothy just called and said, Pastor Jerry, um, she can't wake him up. So immediately I said, I'm going to do that. And I called Mel and I said, start praying. But before, you know, I can get really Mel to write up a prayer request and get it out to our members so we can get them to pray. Because the, the, the Clint called and said, he's dead. You ain't got to pray no more. And, um, but this pastor grew up actually right across the street from St. Mary. From where I passed him. He grew up right across the street. But nobody knows if you wake up in the morning if you're going to continue to be breathing. We, we, don't, we don't know that if we go to sleep tonight. Because here's the thing. Breathing, check this. Breathing is the only, and my nurses check me on this, auditory organ. The lungs are the only auditory organ that you can control. In other words, you can't control your heart beating. It just beats, right? I can't make my heart stop beating, right? Okay? But the lungs, I can hold my breath and stop, okay? All right? Now, at night, when I go to sleep, it's working in an auditory format because I'm not controlling it. I am just breathing okay but I don't know if something may happen in the night where I stop breathing the reason why that scripture in Psalms 150 says let everything that has breath praise the Lord is because you don't know when you're going to take your last breath Watch this. I've learned to praise the Lord when I wake up in the morning. Watch this. I've learned to praise the Lord on my drive to work in the morning. Watch this, mama. I've learned to praise the Lord in the shower. Matter of fact, Nate and Mary have learned Mary and they have learned to praise the Lord in the shower. I don't know where they get it from, but every time they shower, they, they sing it. But I've also learned to praise the Lord when I go to the restroom. Now, y'all laughing. I hear mom and I hear now. They just don't know Bill. I've also, and here, you're laughing, but everybody in here has been at a point where you had to go to the restroom, but the restroom was not near, and you tried to get there. You don't know if you're going to make it, but when you make it, thank you, Lord.
So I've learned to praise him when I go to the restroom. The Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Mama was talking to me early, and I, she, she, when I came out, she says, I talked to Al last night, and I told him he was going to preach. And she said, he said, oh, Lord, what are you going to say? you going to tell him what I said. <laughs> but just bringing up him, I, I, I remember the time we were in Haiti, and me and him were in the tent. And one of the worst things that happened in Haiti when we go and we're in this tent is we try to get some sleep as much as we possibly can because we're usually running all day. And then you're not sleeping in comfortable positions. You are in a tent and you're out on the air mattress. You're in the cot. You're out in the elements. It could be raining. It could be storming. So normally you try to get some rest because you really are up all night. You outside. So one morning we got some good rest. I never forget. It really was a thunderstorm. It was a thunderstorm. It rained all night. It was hard. We out in this tent, and I'm I'm just thinking I'm a meteorologist. I'm on the top of this mountain. If we get struck by lightning, I mean it's it's not gonna be good. But the rain stopped. I guess about. 12, I would say about 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. And so finally there's some peacefulness and you go to sleep. But about 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, all of these animals, and Tiffany can tell you, they just start making noise. The donkeys make noise. The chickens make noise. The pigeons make noise. Pastor Perry even had a turkey. The turkeys started making noise. Everything is making noise, and I turned over to Al, and I said, Al, why does every morning we have to wake up to all of these noise? Why are these animals just screaming all morning? And first he said, he says, I don't know, Bill. Then he came back and he said, they praising the Lord. And he made sense of it. He says, they don't know when they go to sleep at night if a predator is going to take them out. So when the sun comes up, they see another day and they praise the Lord. What are they doing? In order to praise the Lord and make no sounds, they have to breathe. is calling upon us to breathe. The next reason, EBC, that I want you to breathe is because you have an awesome man of God. Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 10. Jeremiah chapter 10. Chapter 10, verse 14. It says this, every man is brutish. In his knowledge, every founder is confounded by the graven image, for his molten image is falsehood, and there is no breath in them. They are vanity and the work of 
errors in the time of their visitation, they shall perish. The portion of Jacob is not like them, for he is the former of all things, and Israel is the rod of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. Watch this. Gather up the wares out of the land, O inhabitants of the fortress. For thus said the Lord, Behold, I will sling out the inhabitants of the land at this once and will distress them. I'm just going to go ahead and skip down to verse 21. It says, For the pastors are become brutish and have not sought the Lord. Therefore, they shall not prosper, and all their flocks shall be scattered. In this passage of Scripture, Jeremiah is talking to the children of Israel. And he used this word brutish two times in this passage of Scripture. In verse 14, he says, every man is brutish in his own knowledge. And he says in verse 21, for the pastors are become brutish. And Jeremiah is speaking to the children of Israel because they have moved into what we call idol worship. It was their leaders that had led them into this idolatry, worshiping wood statues. Whatever we worship more than the true and living God is an idol. And some of us worship wood statues as well. Because if you worship money, which comes from wood, with George Washington on it, or more like Benjamin Franklin on it, you are worshiping a wood statue. And so he uses this word two times in this passage of Scripture. You also can find verse 14, he requotes it in verse 51. I mean, in chapter 51, verse 17. You ain't got, I ain't got time to turn there and you ain't either. Okay? So, but this word brutish in the Hebrew means stupid. That's what it means. If you got an NLT version, look it up. Instead of brutish, he says stupid. He says, for the pastor's are become stupid and have not sought the Lord. Therefore, they shall not prosper and all their flocks shall be scattered. I say again, breathe because you have an awesome man of God. I pray for my earthly leaders. I pray for the president. I pray for political officials. But I am not so much concerned about President Trump or political officials as I am worried about spiritual leaders. Every congregation, EBC, does not have what you have. Breathe. Because every congregation, and I'm not talking about in Mississippi. I'm talking about in Benton. I'm talking about in Bossier City. I'm talking about in Shreveport. You must understand what you have in your pastor. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 5. 
Understand that the pastoral position is essential to the life of the church. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. Notice what it says here. It says in verse 17. Let me get there. I'm depending on this now. Y'all see that. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. Let them be counted of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. And the scripture said, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treaded out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses, them that sin rebuke before all that others also may fear. Watch this. A good pastor is worthy of double honor. Watch this. This is Bill talking now, mama. Honor for him, one honor for him, and one honor for his wife. Because what I've realized is, especially since I've become pastor, there are certain things I can't do without her. And for years, I listened to him often say, guys, you don't realize how much I get done because of this lady right here. And I used to hear it, but it kind of went in one ear and out the other. But once you move into the pastoral role position, you begin to understand the value that your wife has with you in ministry. So... I don't know what Paul meant on that double honor, but I figure one for me and one for her. <laughs> now, you know that the word honor means something of value, and it is likened to money. Y'all know that. I ain't. But notice what he says here in verse 19, because I still I want you to understand, breathe because you have an awesome pastor. Watch what he says this in 19. Doug, this is our scripture. I think this is the one you was looking for. It says, against an elder, receive not an accusation, but for two or three witnesses. In other words, an elder or a pastor, Paul was telling Timothy, don't receive an accusation unless you have two or three witnesses. Now, here's what I've come to learn. If a pastor ain't doing what he's supposed to do, or he's out there doing things that go against God, it ain't hard to get two or three witnesses. It ain't hard. They coming. They coming. Notice what verse 20 says. He says, them that sin rebuke 
before all that others also may fear. Them who? Pastoral leaders. Watch this. One of the church's biggest problems is we do a whole lot of honoring and not enough rebuking. We we cover the honoring, but when they're out of line and we get our two or three witnesses, nobody don't want to say nothing. Now we're afraid. And the reason I called out Doug because we went over this Friday night when we were looking at the four faces of manhood. And we were looking at the lover face and the friend face. And I believe it says that less than 10% of men actually have a true friend in their life that will speak biblical truth to them and correct them. So I asked the brothers at St. Mary, I said, if you heard that your pastor was sleeping with somebody else, Oh, you saw me in the restaurant and I was doing something I wasn't supposed to be doing. How many of you will come to me and let me know that you see me or that you're hearing things about me and that you don't like it? And of the men that we had there, really only had, I want to say we had probably 15 people there, but we probably only about three put their hands up and said, I'll come tell you, Pastor. This scripture says, them that sin rebuke before all. And sometimes the rebuke, you know how it is, you in something and you really don't want to be in it, but you need somebody to breathe on you. To awaken you out of your sin. To get you out of it. I'm thankful for this man for when I made mistakes, he lets me know. I'm thankful for friends who love me enough and care for me enough that they won't let me wallow in sin. But in church, a lot of times, we are honoring the pastoral leader, and we know that there are things going on, and nobody's saying nothing. I tell you this, breathe because you have an awesome pastor. Because some of you sitting right here know people in pastoral roles and somebody needs to rebuke them. Watch this. We cannot be silent when sin is operating in the church, especially amongst mature believers and those in leadership. We are called to sound out the alarm. Sin should always be dealt with on the smallest level possible. If we can, yes, you deal with it privately. 
is so much better when it's dealt with privately. However, public correction is necessary where public sin has corrupted others. And the reason why the pastoral position has to be corrected publicly, because if somebody else see it and you in the leadership position, you have already corrupted people. So, yes, we honor our pastors. But Paul also tells Timothy that you may have to rebuke some. 22 says, he says, lay hands subtly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. He says, keep thyself pure. Watch this. Go with me to Ezekiel chapter 37. Getting close to the end. Breathe. Because other churches and people in your life need CPR. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1. I've been reading this book called Autopsy of a Deceased Church. You can find it in Lifeway. Um, the president of Lifeway wrote it. His name is Tom Rainier. And I, I would even say you at EBC ought to read it because I, I don't think you guys are nowhere near deceased or dying. I think this is a very, from, from when I left here, very healthy church. But not every church is healthy. And God is saying, I need some folks who are willing to do CPR. Watch this. Watch what Ezekiel said in verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out of, in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. Verse 3, and he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones. Watch this. Hear the word of the Lord. The reasons why we have some churches dying is because we have pastors who are not preaching the word of the Lord. And if the pastor is not preaching the word of the Lord, then the people are not hearing the word of the Lord. Verse 5, thus said the Lord God upon these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and ye shall live and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied and I was as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a noise and behold the shaking and the bones came together bone to his bone. And when he beheld to low to the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them above but there was no breath 
in them. Remember, I told you, flesh has no value without breath. Verse 9, then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus said the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Ezekiel was seeing the nation of Israel as dead as a donnell, as bones in a graveyard. And he was concerned about the life of his nation continuing. We ought to be concerned about churches in our community that are not healthy, those that are dying. It shouldn't just be all about EBC. We're growing. We're building a new building. Maybe some of them that are at that dead church, maybe they will come over here and join us. God says, breathe because churches and people in your life need CPR. God is calling EBC to help some dead churches stand back up. You think that the ministry that, 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 you think that the building that's going to be built is just for you. No. I'm, I'm speaking prophetically now. It's going to be to bring in ministries to help them understand what it takes to continue to breathe. It's not just about EBC. You're going to have to continue to run, go outside of these four walls and help other people Many of them are your family members. Understand that there's still hope in their life that they got to keep breathing. One of the things, Pastor, I remember, and, and I don't know how much we're running now, Sean, but usually during the summertime, Pastor goes on this, used to go on this preaching circuit. Now, that slacked up a little bit, especially when Junior came along. That, 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 that slacked up. Y'all got back to that yet, Tanya? Were you running like that? You don't run like that no more. I'm going to tell you, breathe. Here's the reason why, and, and I am speaking to pastor right now. Junior's about to leave the house. And there was a time period where God did give you a break where you had to pour into Sandra and him, and I know you, you got to a point, because there was a point where if an invitation came to him, Lord, he took it. Back hills of Arkansas, down in the valley in East Texas, hot church in Shangaloo, Louisiana, somewhere. You name it, he took it. We'd have church here, 
Load up the vans. Choir, get ready. Because we got to go. So, I'm going to tell you something, Alia. Breathe. <laughs> because there was a time where we started here at 9 o'clock in the morning. And I was driving back to Shreveport when we were living on Murray Street. And I ain't get home sometimes at 9 o'clock at night, depending on where he went. But here's why. God needs you, Pastor. And I know it so much so now to pour into other ministries. To begin, to begin to accept some more. Once he goes, you will have more time. You ain't got to go to this football game. Well, you're going to have to go to some of them. But you're not going to have to invest as much time as you have while he's in your house as when he's out your house. And God is calling this ministry to go out and breathe on other ministries. There are too many gifts in here just to be locked up on Old Bellevue Road. And as he goes out to minister, you got to go out to minister. Because there are churches that are just shells. They're barely breathing. They are near death. And God is saying, go out and breathe upon them. And reinvigorate the life that's in them. Everybody is not going to come here. But just because everybody don't come here doesn't mean that you can't minister to them out there. Breathe. Because God is still using you to get his work done. Not going to go to Acts. But Paul, in Acts 17, speaks to the Greeks. If you know anything about the Greeks, the Greeks love to build buildings, build statues, idols. And, and Paul addressed the Greeks to let them know that one statue that they had, which had an unknown God on it, said, you about got it right. Because he is the God that gives breath to all mankind. We breathe because the world needs us to breathe. God does construction work on buildings. His construction work is really people. We are the temples. Breathe because some will reject and oppose what God is doing in you. But breathe because God will use you to draw a few. Breathe because all things God wants to do in you, EBC, is yet to be revealed. You haven't even seen the half of it. 
And you better take a deep breath because when he really reveals it, it may take your breath away. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is the last scripture, and we're going to close. Breathe. That's all God told me to tell you. Breathe. It says, but, verse 9 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It says, but as it is written, I had not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God had prepared for them that love him. Watch verse 10. But God had revealed to them, revealed them unto us, watch this, by his spirit. For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. That word spirit in the Greek is the word pneuma. And pneuma just means breath. If you thought for the last 50 minutes, I was talking about natural breath, you need to go back and get the tape. God wants us to breathe spiritually daily. He wants us to breathe on other people. He wants us to breathe to bring life. He wants us to breathe to bring encouragement. He wants us to breathe to bring healing. He wants us to breathe so we can bring provision to someone else. Your journey ain't over. He got 28 years in. And Junior, right. You said he used to tell you run till you get tired and get sick. And I witnessed it. When this, little, when this young man, I'm, I'm talking about 78 years old, and we were coaching him in football. I've never seen this, not in any, any kid. I would literally watch him in the backyard, throw the football in the air, run, like people in front of him. Wasn't nobody in front of him, but he pretended they were in front of him, back and forth, jogging, making switches and turns. And, 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 and he would do this. I'm talking about. Not one time. He would do it for like an hour, dripping. When he's done, he's just dripping wet and sweat. So then when we would go to the Little League games, and he'd do, and he'd do one of these numbers, and, <laughs> and the other coach was like, you saw that? I said, yeah, I saw that last week. <laughs> I saw that last week. You, I haven't seen that one before. But he's right. And I'm telling you as church members, he will work you till you get sick. <laughs> I've only, I worked out with him one time, and I don't know if Pastor remember this. I worked out with him over there in the fellowship hall when we had a little weights in there. And we worked out, and he was leading the workout, and he worked me out until I threw up. <laughs> it was like he was trying to prepare me to become a defensive back for the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> I mean, he, he probably still works out that way. Like, he's still playing football. 
He's not playing football anymore. But his natural being is to get you to keep running. And in order for you to keep running with this guy, you better breathe. Give God a hand, clap, and praise.